We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I'm Chanae Ogwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. Fantasy Football Report, a Rotoviz radio news show covering the serious and mocking the ridiculous NFL news of the last week. I'm Blair Andrews. My co-host is Hassan Rahim. Hassan, how's it going? Uh, you know, living the dream, and this was just another bi-heavy week uh, and another Dalvin Cook week. Uh, but, uh, you know, how's it going with you? Yeah, going great. Uh, Dalvin Cook is not on as many of my teams as I'd like, but that's all right. We, uh, we'll soldier on. Um, joining us on the show today is Jack Miller. Jack is a featured writer here at Rotoviz, where he writes uh, Strength and Numbers weekly column. He's also a writer at Bet the Prop. You can follow him on Twitter at JackMiller02. Jack, thanks for joining us. How's it going? Uh, I'm doing pretty well today. Thank you guys for having us on. Uh, happy to be here. Don't do, uh, haven't done too many podcasts, so this should be a good time. Looking forward to talking about uh, what happened this weekend with you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, before we get into it, I want to ask about this new column you've started writing this season at Rotoviz, Strength in Numbers. Uh, what can you give a kind of elevator pitch about uh, what that's all about? Yeah, so basically, what I try to do with that is I just try to break down like every event that happened in the NFL and condense it into the five to ten most important things that happened because it's hard to pay attention to 
all 16 games or whatever every weekend. So I think it's it's good to have just kind of a synopsis uh, of the the single most important event of the weekend and hopefully use some numbers and stats to, to show why those are the important things that you should care about and how you can act on them moving forward. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's been a, one of my favorite columns to read every week for sure it comes out early in the week so it's good to really get that um you know kind of orient yourself to the week with those essential essential stats uh let's jump right into the first news item christian mccaffrey rushed 18 times for 69 yards and a touchdown he caught 10 of 10 targets for 82 yards and another touchdown in the panthers week nine loss So following the long layoff, McCaffrey picked up right where he left off and accounted for the majority of the Panthers' backfield touches. Jack, where do you think McCaffrey should be ranked for the rest of the season? I think if he's getting that type of workload, I mean, there was some some concern that maybe like him and Mike Davis would split, especially with McCaffrey coming back uh, for his first game and how well Davis played. But 18 carries, 10 targets, that is an elite workload. That is as much as you can ask for from, from your RB1. So I think you got to insert him right back at the top of those rankings. Um, I mean, I don't think you can expect 2019 McCaffrey just because I don't think you can expect that from anyone. But I think it's it's pretty fair to put him right back at the top uh, where you drafted him. So him, Kamara, Dalvin, whoever else, I think those are the top the top guys in fantasy, the most valuable uh, players you can have in your team right now um i actually have <clears throat> i think just thinking back on it i might have dalvin ahead of uh, cmc and kamara um again he's not getting the kind of um he's not getting the kind of work that i'm kind of used to uh or at least like the receiving workload uh but man this uh this vikings team really is obsessed with the idea of of, of really just not letting kirk throw the ball at all um, only 20 pass attempts yet again. Uh, we Dalvin Cook 22 carries, 206 yards, and two scores. Uh, you know, and he got both of his targets. You know, so that's not a surprise, at least as far as I'm concerned. But um, I think I think Cook has quite a lot of ex- ex- explosion, and there's not a lot really uh, of competition, at least as far as, as the target tree goes. It's like Jefferson, Thielen. I guess if you count whatever Rudolph is, I mean, they gave Amir Abdullah a target and he caught a um, a receiving touchdown, you know, revenge game against the Lions and all that. Um, But I do think Dalvin should be up there. For CMC, like you said, this is is definitely RB1 elite workload. Um, I also strongly, strongly believe that the Panthers are a lot worse um, uh, when they try and do this, right? Like they're they're, uh, uh, funneling you know, the bulk of the work through CMC, uh, you know, you're seeing, you're seeing a lot of Robbie, a lot of Curtis Samuel for some reason. Um, like, like we haven't seen this movie before and like absolutely no DJ Moore. I don't know if that's because the chiefs were good at like, con- you know, containing him, but, um, you know, the sad, you know, as, as is one to do the second you give, uh, you mess around with KC long enough, let him hang around long enough, and Mahomes is just going to come out and absolutely eat your lunch, and that's what he did. And you know what? I'm 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 glad that that, that Mahomes did because um, because this is what the pan this is the this the Panthers earned this by deciding that they're going to just turn their turn their offense into a CMC centric uh, offense despite all the exciting playmakers that they have. 
And um, so toughest of scenes here for the Panthers. And um, yeah, that's why I'm kind of biased against him a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I was yeah. I was huge on. Oh, sorry, you go, Blair. No, go ahead. Okay, uh, so I was huge on DJ Moore going into the season, as I think a lot of us were. But what has kind of happened is the role that we thought um, DJ Moore would be in with uh, the the underneath routes has actually gone to Robbie Anderson, and then the Robbie Anderson, what we thought would be Robbie Anderson's role with, with the deep threat. Um, over the top guy that's gone to dj Moore. i don't have their depth of target numbers off the top of my head but i know that robbie is the under the underneath guy dj Moore is the the taking the top off the defense guy and i think honestly i think i mean this is probably like long overdue but it's dj Moore had two catches today i think and i think we definitely need to to recalibrate expectations for him at least this season because he is not He's just not in the role that he was last year and the role we expected for him. Yeah, I mean, looking at this box score for Carolina, seeing DJ Moore with only three targets almost has me thinking that, uh, you know, we might expect McCaffrey, obviously we, we won't expect him to average 10 targets a game from here on out, but I wonder if he's going to continue to be you know close to the target leader to this extent or whether we see more of those targets go Moore's way in the future um I know before he got injured McCaffrey had not been getting the kind of target volume we saw of course in this game Bridgewater threw it 49 times so um that kind of accounts for that even Mike Davis had six targets um so you know for that reason I I kind of see what Hassan is saying about maybe the fragility of McCaffrey's workload in this offense. Um, so that does have me a little bit worried. Um, do you think, yeah, you mentioned recalibrating our expectations for more. Do you think that with McCaffrey back, we need to sort of recalibrate our expectations for everyone in this offense? And maybe we... Uh, we don't get used to seeing this kind of stat line from McCaffrey either. Yeah, I don't think you can. I mean, you can't expect McCaffrey to get 10 targets every game. I think in his first two weeks that he played earlier this season, he had four and five. So I don't think I don't think he's going to get 10 targets. I don't think he's going to get um, the, the type of receiving workload he had last year. But definitely, um, Definitely have to. I, I do still think that even with that lessened receiving workload moving forward, I still think he's like in that top group. When I say McCaffrey, Kamara, Delvin, I don't think that's that's not in order or anything. Those are just the the three guys that I would be most comfortable with uh, as as my RB one. Like those are the the three guys who I think are the three most valuable players in fantasy rest of season because McCaffrey's not going to get ten targets every game. But the fact that he had eighteen carries. And 10 targets in his first game back, even if Teddy did throw the ball 50 times. I mean, we did only have two games of McCaffrey underwhelming in terms of receiving workload uh, at the start of the season. So I still think he's going to get a pretty strong target share in this offense. It's not going to be what it was last year. It's not going to be 10 targets a game like it was um, today. But but yeah, I still think McCaffrey is going to be one of the top guys moving forward, of course, because he's Christian McCaffrey, even if he's not getting that 10 targets a game. 
Yeah, for sure. And like, it's actually a little sad, like just from a from a team perspective. We know, like, like people were joking about it, but like the Panthers' offense was still very good today. But it wasn't primarily because of CMC. Like CMC did a lot in the receiving game. Don't get me wrong. Like just a tremendous, like, you know, receiver there. But like, um, it's just like and. And, you know, being used like that, maybe he has some more value, but, like, also jamming targets and jamming touches to him uh, is a, not exactly a, the way that, you you know, you, you're going to try and win. I mean, um, God knows. I mean, they, they, you know, they paid him, but, like, uh, my point is he can still be an R, like a locked-in high-end RB1, but without having to really need to be the focal point of this offense. I mean, realistically, there's, like, those are the three running backs – uh, you know, Kamara, Zeke, no, Kamara, CMC, and Dalvin, who are a clear tier above a, a lot of the other early round running backs and who are actually the only ones who were, uh, you know, are going to probably return value, right? Like, um, you think of some of the other guys, like they're just not as good. And even if, and not taking injury into account, like they've just been a pretty overwhelming year, I think, for running backs, just like, this is what happens when you overdraft them, but like, you know, that's not my problem. Um, <laughs> somebody else's tough scenes. Uh, you know, I mean, so as far as, as far as this goes, last question on the Panthers offense before you move on. Um, the tight end, Ian Thomas officially dust, right? Yeah, I think he's gotta be, I don't think he's even like, I don't even know what he's done the last couple of weeks because he has not been relevant really the whole season. Josh Allen completed 31 of 38 passes for 415 yards and three touchdowns in the Bills' uh, 44-34 Week 9 win over the Seahawks. He also added seven carries and tacked on 14 additional yards and a touchdown on the ground. Um, the Bills, they never bothered with the running game against the Seahawks. is astonishingly bad defense. And Allen, he just had a big first half. He went 24 for 28 for 200, 282 yards and three scores. You know, and today was a badly needed effort from a player who was in a smash spot and he delivered. You know, what are your expectations from Josh Allen and the Bills' offense for the rest of the season? Uh, yeah, first of all, I think I think that was a really smart game plan from the Bills because we know that you can tear up the Seahawks uh, through the air. And I saw somewhere that they had 28 first-half passes and three first-half rush attempts, which is a pretty pretty unbelievable um, split in terms of run-to-pass ratio. So that was, that was definitely a good thing, and it was definitely very necessary. But in terms of rest-of-season outlook for Allen, I think, I mean, he's still, he's still getting that, that rushing workload. As a passer, he's been, I mean, the first, like, four weeks of the season, it looked like he was going to be an MVP candidate, then he slowed down a little bit and then he would and then he just went off today against the defense that has been pretty kind to opposing quarterbacks so I don't I don't think this game should change your expectations rest of season for Allen too much just because we already have eight games before today of Allen kind of being the same up and down passer although much much better than he was uh, last year and then getting that that rushing workload and then he went off today he had one of his his higher percentile outcome games today uh, against a, a pretty bad pass defense in a spot where it was predictable that he, he would have done well. So I don't think you should like go crazy about how Josh Allen did today, but obviously it was fantastic game. 
Um, for the passing game, I just think it's going to be, I guess, more of the same with Diggs being a wide receiver one, John Brown still being a, a solid contributor. But I think the the most interesting thing about this offense maybe would be the running back split because, and this is something I've I've written about in strength and numbers a couple times this year because Singletary only had two carries today. He had three targets. Zach Moss had two targets, I think. And then Moss had nine carries, the Singletary's too. So I, and, he's, and Moss is getting the, the goal line touches. So I think... At this point, Moss is is definitely the guy you want in this backfield moving forward. If they're both, if they're splitting carries, splitting targets, and then Moss is getting goal line work, and we saw Moss get a ton more carries today. So I think Moss is is probably the guy you want in that backfield moving forward. And Singletary, maybe a little harder to trust. Although they're both probably going to be tough to trust. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree with that about uh, <laughs> about Josh Allen and his outlook going forward. I was just looking at the upcoming schedule. Um, they are at Arizona next week before their bye. We saw Tua put up a pretty big game against them. I think we'll be discussing him a bit later. Um, then home against the Chargers at San Francisco. So, um, oh, and then home against Pittsburgh. So there are some teams on here that um, you know other other quarterbacks have been able to put up points against so i think he's got you know some favorable games coming up so uh you know given what he did today and what he has done in the past with a few uh a few of the early games i think uh i'm pretty bullish on his outlook going forward um and especially if he's getting these big contributions from guys like gabriel davis who had had 70 yards and a touchdown on five targets. Uh, that's nice to see. So, so yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, yeah, we we kind of know what Josh Allen is. He's going to be a little bit up and down, but um, yeah, I'm definitely hopeful that there are more more games like this coming. Definitely. I mean, he's he's clearly taken a, a step forward as a passer this year, and then he's still running. So I, I definitely, um, I definitely would would like Josh Allen rest of season uh hassan before we got on you were you were had some some hot takes about john brown he had a eight caught eight of 11 targets for 99 yards but you're not happy with that what's going on there no i was absolutely totally fine with john brown it's just that uh <laughs> it's just that like both him and Diggs, unfortunately didn't didn't get scores they both had massive days today and they just and, and the bills were i mean like, like, like uh, maybe Allen was just heat checking or whatever, but like he was just throwing it to random members of the of the Bills mafia. Like every <laughs> touchdown went to just just rando guys, right? And Tyler and Tyler Croft had a touchdown today. T- yeah, yeah, Tyler <laughs> Croft. He just looks like an <laughs> overgrown baby. Um, you had, you had Gabriel Davis who went off. Cole Beasley like had thirty nine yards. Um, Isaiah McKenzie got into the game, right? Like it's just. Some of the weird, just like a really impressive showing, I think from 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 Josh Allen, who I mean, realistically, this is kind of the Seahawks' biggest issue, right? Um, the their inability to really like like their defense is kind of falling apart, as you can tell. They just give it up to everyone and anyone, and uh, you know when, when when Russ is out there getting picked off, um, they're not. It's just difficult to win games. They're still a very very good team. Uh, in my opinion, uh, the Seahawks. I mean, I I I don't know about the Bills. Like they, they they could be potential fraudulent in the playoffs. But this was this was actually a fun game. Um, 
all things considered, I mean, if you were playing cash and you didn't have Josh Allen as, as, your, as, your, cash, as your cash QB, uh, you might have to rethink some, th- some, some things. Um, th- that said, uh, if you also, you know, were playing, were playing DFS and decided to take the value and, like, try to lock it ahead of DK Metcalf, you probably also have to think some things through because um, <laughs> uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but, uh, but, but this is very clearly not a, not a 1A, 1B situation. It's a wide receiver one, and then Tyler Lockett also exists situation like he's he's uh he's uh you know um the there's this uh, very old uh don't talk to me or my son ever again meme except the D- dk metcalf is the dad and like lockett is a son <laughs> yeah we talked about metcalf last episode a bit about uh wide receiver rankings i actually asked sean and column on overtime whether uh they thought metcalf should be the dynasty wide receiver one I know, Jack, you've written about Metcalf at least once, maybe a couple times in Strength and Numbers. What's your take on sort of his his standing in uh, in Dynasty wide receiver rankings? Yeah, I think he's got to be right near the top. I mean, the stuff he's doing this year is completely ridiculous. I I mean, honestly, like I would trust your guys' Dynasty takes over me just because I, I'm not as experienced there. But my, my first instinct would be he is right near that top tier. Uh, if not all the way at the top. What did what did Sean and Colm say? Did they have, have DK, wide receiver one? Uh as I I mean, they kind of they kind of didn't answer directly. But uh, <laughs> but uh I mean yeah, Metcalf, you know, could come out of this week being close to the wide receiver one on the season. He's still only twenty two years old. I think Sean's basic take was you know, there there are still guys like Hopkins and Devontae Adams who put up who you can maybe rely on for more points if you need to, you know, if you're playing for to win this season. But because in Dynasty you want to have a long term focus, it was more it was kind of like you can definitely justify Metcalf at wide receiver one. So uh, it yeah, it's kind of like, like- Sorry, Jack, you were saying? Oh, yeah. I just think it would be fun if um, the top two wide receivers in fantasy football are both from Ole Miss. And with DK and uh, A.J. Brown doing what they're doing right now, yeah. it looks like that's very possible. I think it is. Um, we talked about this, like, last week, right? Like, mm-hmm. from, from, from a tier perspective, it's who you prefer, right? Um, and I am partial to A.J. Brown. And, I mean, like, if people want to ask me why... I think a lot of it just has to do with the fact that the guy smashed with Mariota. I mean, like he made Mariota look ser- like serviceable, right? Um, if you guys don't remember, in his first game as a rookie against the Cleveland Browns, uh, AJ Brown, um, you know, went for a hundred yards, and one of his catches was um, he got the ball in open space and beckoned. Uh, the Cleveland safety to come over and he stiff armed them into the dirt and picked up like 30 plus yards after that, you know, like just imagine, you know, like your second catch in the NFL first game as a rookie beckoning over a respected veteran safety whose name I don't remember because after AJ Brown stiff armed him, that was the end of their career. Like that was <laughs> like, like, like that was, that is just the kind of like, that's a way to announce yourself. And like DK has been tremendous as well. So like, as far as I'm concerned, like it, it just kind of comes down to personal preference, right? Yeah, I agree with that. 
All right, before we get into our game this week, let's take a moment for a word from our sponsors. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Bet BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, today we're playing Fantasy Believe It or Not. Uh, Hassan, you want to remind us of the rules? Yeah, I mean, at this point, I think we're getting pretty a pretty good idea of uh, where some of these guys are going to end the season. So just a quick recap, uh, QB would be um, top 12 QB, same with TE. So will they finish at a TE1 at the end of the season? Um, for running back and wide receiver, it's going to be a top 24 finish uh, for each player. All right, first up, Juju Smith-Schuster caught six of seven targets for 93 yards and a touchdown in the Steelers' Week 9 win over the Cowboys. Honestly, I think Deontay Johnson is probably the wide receiver one there, and then Claypool's coming on too. Uh, it'll probably be close for Juju. He's wide receiver 29 right now. But, I could, yeah, I could see it going either way here. But I, I think Deontay is, is the main guy there. Oh, man, you clearly didn't grind the tape hard enough. Like, Juju dragged, like, two Cowboys defenders with him into the end zone. I did see that, actually. I did see that. That was crazy. But uh, Deontay had like 13 targets, I think. So I still, I still lean that direction. I am gonna gonna stand by my hot conspiracy theory take that the Steelers are basically trying to AB and Love Bell out of and uh, Juju and are gonna try to get out of paying him for cap reasons. <laughs> so mm-hmm. they're gonna do their best to suppress his uh, suppress his volume. Toughest of scenes for us, but uh, yeah, I'm 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 with you, Jack. Um, I, I I agree. Where would you like to see Juju end up if that's the case? Oh man, uh, very good question, and one that I actually haven't considered or even thought about. Uh, from an actual availability perspective, uh, Miami. That would be fun. Anywhere mm. but the anywhere yeah, but the too. Jets, just not the Jets. <laughs> right. Yeah, but like Unless Miami, Trevor. That would be cool. Uh, yeah, well, I don't know. Uh, I think, I think, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm partial to fields myself, but, uh, 
But I would like to see Juju probably on Miami, right? Like he walks in and he's like ostensibly the alpha there, right? Yeah, I think that'd be a really good spot. Mm-hmm. Him and Tua. Yeah, like uh, like so Parker kind of shows the dangers of these fifth-year breakout candidates, you know, who have under underperformed their capital and uh, you know talent profile for years, and it's just like the one-year blip is quite likely just the one-year blip. Right, like who they are and who they've shown us for the last few years is probably who they're going to be. And these, you know, had they have outlier seasons. Now, um, uh, uh, if you went out and assumed this meant, you know, he was going to be like everything was fine and he was fixed, um, uh, that's fine. But you know, from a from a Briar's perspective, you probably have to wait the fact that for four years he did nothing, right? And then you have Preston Williams, who's um, He's looking good. He's shown flashes, but like this could also be the flashes of of you know he's a late later round pick, um, uh, not really showing sustained excellence. Um, probably works better in a complementary role. In fact, both receivers work in a complementary role to someone like a Juju, who we've seen carry the carry the offense even in Antonio Brown's absence. So, so I think that that would probably is the one that comes to mind immediately that I think makes like for a perfect fit from an, especially from a need perspective. Just one note, it was actually Claypool who had 13 targets today. So that's kind of interesting. Oh yeah. So Deontay, okay. Yeah. But yeah, so Juju is third among Steelers wideouts and targets. So that is not great. Yeah. And he's, he did get the touchdown. And he yeah. made hay on his seven targets, man. He, they weren't really targeting he had the him. most yards too. Yeah, they weren't. They weren't really targeting him early. They actually like bro- like you know they broke glass in case of emergency and started throwing to Juju, and he just started making plays. Like like the second they started targeting him, good things started happening. Um, uh, I mean, and another place that they might like another couple of places that make sense for Juju would probably be Cleveland and Baltimore, both uh, both in division rivals. Um, and, and, and both teams are in need, like a dire need of an actual alpha wide, wide receiver. I mean, Marquis, you know, Hollywood Brown, call him whatever you will, but he really is like a, like a talent, like he really is like a beta. Like he really is. Right. Um, same thing goes with Cleveland, yeah. right? Like Cleveland. Are how much of that is, OBJ. how much of that is Baltimore's offense though? No, the offense looked pretty good. Uh, when they, when they, uh, started targeting Mark Andrews and they moved a little bit. Right. I mean, it's it's hard. It's a chicken and egg. Uh, it's a chicken and egg um, problem, right? Sure. If you if, sure. you know, like, if we if if you think Marquise Hollywood Brown is like uh, an alpha wide receiver, but then he just continues to come up small when targeted, um, then that's really uh, you know a personnel issue, right? Um, we've never really seen Lamar have the ability. Like, we've just not seen him really have an like a like a juju or any of guys in these type of molds and you know for as much as people try and want to make passing you know the tight end is the main vein of the passing offense which was just just the dumbest narrative really just pathetic just analysis all around frankly um it, it works and even then rarely enough for very sustained stretches of success um you know like you can never go wrong with more weapons uh, and especially for someone like a Juju Smith-Schuster, right? Like um, having him be, be this like Michael Thomas-esque character for Lamar, maybe it changes like how the offense functions a little bit. You, whereas you're not really getting that out of a Marquise Hollywood Brown. And same goes for Cleveland, right? Um, OBJ has been, frankly, a, a, just a pathetic trade, right? All around. 
like uh like, like and like and like who who people think of OBJ as is should really be recalibrated like his his uh you know like just who he is as a as a dynasty asset and who he is as a player he's just not um like it's very clear that like OBJ is good and like maybe he'll never hit it because of like um uh, hit his theoretical ceiling that we once once thought he had because of because of injuries but it could just be that he started off his career uh white hot and you shouldn't be making inferences based on uh, half a season's worth of data and like really who he is is who, you know what we see is just his inconsistent streaky whiteout and 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 toughest of scenes for anyone who really believed that like Jarvis Landry is like a like a like a low end wide receiver one just a really really bad showing by anyone who believed that just sad stuff all around there um, Keenan Allen caught nine of eleven targets for one or three yards and a touchdown in the Chargers' Week Nine loss to the Raiders. Believe that for sure. He's getting ridiculous target numbers with Herbert, and Herbert looks like he's been the real deal. So uh, I could see Keenan Allen. I think he's at like high end wide receiver two range right now, so he could easily finish the year as a top twelve receiver. Antonio Gibson rushed six times for 20 yards and a touchdown in Washington's Week 9 loss to the Giants, adding three receptions for 35 additional yards. I think he's going to be right on that RB2-3 fringe because he, he's getting a little bit better uh, receiving usage now, but McKissick, I think, had eight catches today or something ridiculous like that. That like that should be going to Gibson, I think. like Gibson is just such a more dynamic player, but as long as they keep using McKissick... Um, I think it's it's it limits his ceiling somewhat. Tyler Lockett this is someone we've talked about, but he caught four of seven targets for forty yards, and the Seahawks is week nine lost the Bills. Yeah, I would bet on him to finish outside the top twenty four, but he's another guy who's who's probably going to be close just because he might have another blow up game like he had against I think Arizona was a couple weeks ago. But DK, I agree with you, Hassan, where DK is the clear clear alpha in this offense and then Lockett is just kind of the the secondary guy brandon cooks caught three of nine targets for 83 yards and a touchdown in week nine against the jaguars i would also not believe cooks i think uh fuller is is the lead guy in that offense and i don't think they're going to end with two top 24 wideouts so i would i'd bet on cook to finish outside the top 24 Man, three, three of nine targets is also fairly inefficient, though, especially against the Jaguars, right? Uh, it, it'd be interesting to see what his areas distribution profile looked like, but um, Deshaun's pretty good at throwing a deep ball, so I, I'm, I'm just going to go with my default assumption of this is a Cooks issue because he's uh, underperformed uh, volume with um, Tom Brady, Drew Brees in a dome, uh, the one year where Jared Goff was good. You know, like, I think we've got a pretty long track record of, of, of Cooks not being as good as people want to think he is. But probably better than I think he is, but not better than, <laughs> you know, his his supporters think he is. I think Cooks has generally been a plus efficiency receiver uh, wherever he's gone, apart from maybe last season. Although even last season he might have been. I'm not – I'd have to go back and look. But, but uh, yeah, this uh, – you know, it kind of looks like a bad game, but he still had 83 yards and a touchdown. So even in this, on nine targets, he might have ended um, above what you would expect given his opportunity. I'm not sure. 57 of those yards came on the first pass, though, on his first catch. Well, not great. 
Um, <laughs> now this guy though, DJ Chark, he got seven or twelve targets for 146 yards and a touchdown in Week Nine against the Texans. Yeah, uh, and and it was the first game with Luton as the starter, so and Luton kind of peppered him with targets. So I think moving forward, you got to be optimistic about Chark and how uh, how Luton used him. But he he probably won't finish as a top. Uh, he, he I think he's like he's he's a little down there at the moment because he he also missed a couple games. But he's definitely a a viable fantasy option I think moving forward. Same game. James Robinson had twenty five carries for ninety nine yards and a touchdown uh, in Week Nine against the Texans. Uh, definitely believe James Robinson. I think he's he's definitely shown enough. He's in RB one. He's getting used uh, both facets, rushing and receiving. Um, yeah, getting a, a real, maybe not elite level, maybe elite level workload. I mean, 25 carries this, yeah, James Robinson, I think is the real deal. RB1 rest of season, in my opinion. Only reason I put him on here was so I could remind everyone that his nickname is J God, not J Rob. Please change it. Everybody else. Um, Irv Smith got two of four targets for 10 yards and two touchdowns in the Vikings is week nine win over the Lions. Yeah, I would not put too much stock in, in Irv Smith. I think it's it's Thielen, it's Jefferson, and this is a, a low-volume passing offense. So I, I don't think Irv Smith is someone you want to be depending on in fantasy the rest of the season. Yeah. Um, are we worried about what might happen in this offense? I mean, I know Hassan has Cook as his running back one, given the kind of rushing volume he's getting, but he only had two targets. Obviously, he you know turned those into 46 yards, so it's probably all right, but if that rushing efficiency isn't there and cousins has to throw um you know like jefferson has looked really good but what's basically our outlook for a lot of these pass catchers who we think are kind of intriguing irv smith is someone i i own a lot in dynasty and you know jefferson was one of my favorite rookies coming in uh are these guys just are these guys just dead, or is there a way we see them bounce back if uh, if the Vikings have to throw? Um, can Cook keep up this efficiency? I know that's like 25 questions, but I'm, I'm confused about this offense. I I don't think Cook is going to continue with the efficiency he's been at for, for like the last couple of weeks, but he, he's still getting a ton of carries in this offense wants to run the ball. So Dalvin, like we talked about earlier, just – in that in that top mix Irv actually I was I was just looking at the numbers and uh he he did have five targets two weeks in a row in weeks five and six uh by week seven week eight he only had one and then he had uh four targets and a couple of touchdowns this week so I don't think he's going to be you know uh, at least in like redraft uh viable tight end starting tight end but the last month or so has definitely been encouraging but I don't think in this offense this year I don't think it's gonna all come together for him I mean, like the only time you can really feel confident in slotting in and a lot of these like relying on these ancillary Vikings pieces is when they're going to get into shootouts. I mean, the fact that Matt Patricia still has a job is kind of pathetic because that that guy came out and played to lose, right? Like just toothless play calling, uh, flinging, like using Adrian Peterson, like there was no tomorrow. Like it was just pathetic play calling, like just a just a god awful game all around the vikings were toothless man like 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 i mean uh, the lions sorry just they just they they get like punched in the face repeatedly it was it was legitimately pathetic watching the lions lose to lose to uh the vikings the way they did because they just go out in their back 
And and it looks like without Kenny Galladay, that entire offense falls apart. It's just 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 g- genuinely um, spineless play calling uh, from uh, from Matt Patricia and the Lions. Um, as far as as far as the Vikings go, just taking a peek at their schedule, um, they're going to be at the Bears next week. Um, not really interested in these ancillary guys like Irv Smith in games like the Bears or the Cowboys, potentially against the Panthers, maybe the Jaguars, definitely against the Buccaneers and the Saints. So those are the games where you want to at least hope that you get to see the, some of that increased play volume for some of these ancillary guys, right? And that, and that might actually make you feel a little bit more confident, like slotting in Irv Smith, because, you know, it, he's, he's slowly overtaking um, Kyle Rudolph. And, like, uh, it's really – it's just hard to tell because the Vikings – would honestly rather do anything else than pass the football. They did. They, they, they wish the forward pass was not invented. <laughs> yeah, going back to the lines for a sec, they are finally using Swift as their lead guy. I think Swift had 13 carries or something. I'm. I don't know if that's right. I'm just going based off memory here. And then I think in terms of snaps, it was Swift first, carry on second, AP third. So so definitely still too much Peterson, but they are at least slowly moving in the right direction. Yeah, they just need to start yeah. every game down 21 points. And I think that's when they're just going <laughs> to like that's but that's when Swift it's Swift time. Yeah, the worrying thing is that they they threw the ball to Adrian Peterson five times and, you know, he got three of them for 14 yards, so they kind of got what they deserved, but um yeah, hopefully that's the last time we see that. Oh, really? Yeah, only three targets. I think I think I think Patricia is uh, gonna gonna try and give a- AP like a, like an all time season high in targets soon, like a career high. <laughs> well, I don't know what to say. I mean, Peterson is uh, he's been the you know he just finds a way to get on whatever team has my favorite rookie running back a lot of the time so yeah it was kind of funny how he they signed him like three days before the season and then he comes in and takes over the backfield week one he was (laughs) on the team for half a week and deandre swift was irrelevant to start the season looks like swift also had five targets so at least they are you know they're not marginalizing him at this point so still some hope a lot of hope, I think, for Swift. All right, moving on to regular news item number three. Drew Locke completed 25 of 48 passes for 313 yards, two touchdowns and an interception in the Broncos' Week 9 loss to the Falcons. He added seven rushes for 47 yards and a touchdown. So Jack Locke set a career high in passing yards, mostly due to him also setting a career high in pass attempts. Um, he only averaged 6.5 yards per attempt and missed a number of crucial throws do you think that Locke might have turned the corner or is this just a sort of pure volume performance uh and I guess what are your expectations for his outlook for the rest of the season yeah I'm not super high on on Drew Locke moving forward he had 6.5 yards per attempt today uh I mean 313 yards looks pretty good on paper a couple touchdowns rushing touchdown like that's a solid fantasy day on paper but 6.5 yards per attempt isn't good, and he's also at 6.5 yards per attempt on the season. He also had 6.5 yards per attempt last season, and and again, like that's not great. 
and the fact that he he only averaged 6.5 yards per attempt against the Falcons defense is not a great sign. He he has strung together a couple of nice weeks in a row against the the Chargers and Falcons, but I think at this point you have to trust the larger sample of him being a below average quarterback and especially since they're missing Sutton. Uh, I don't think I would not want to be dependent on Locke as my quarterback for the rest of the year. Man, uh, Drew Locke is um, the garbage time king. This guy, like, like this, like the only time he racked up his stats was when the game wasn't even close. Um, the best thing in this game, well, the most unfortunate thing is both the tight ends, um, Noah Fant and Albert O woke up. Oh, I knew this last week, and I can't get it. Albert O. Um, just like they both missed large swaths of the game with, with injuries. And so it's good to see that with the game firmly out of hand um, and, and Denver putting up a 21 point fourth quarter, uh, we actually saw Jerry Judy just smash and Hamler smash uh, kind of makes you excited for when this team um, gets a real quarterback, which I'm really hoping Elway does this season because this is just maddening. For sure. Judy, I mean, Judy and Hamler are both super fun prospects. Uh, so I, I also hope they get a good quarterback. But given Elway's uh, history of picking quarterbacks, I'm not crazy, crazy optimistic that they, they go out there and get the guy that can can actually deliver Judy and Hamler the ball efficiently. But we'll see. Yeah, I mean, Locke obviously wasn't good today and hasn't really looked good for many starts i wonder if this offense looks different next season with sutton fully healthy and judy and hamler in year two like with those additional weapons does locks you know does his talent make less of a difference maybe yeah we'll see if they give him another year i don't know i don't know what the like narrative surrounding drew lock in denver is right now but but if they right. give him another year, it would have to be make or break because if, if he has Sutton, Judy, and Hamler and he's still not putting up efficient numbers, then it's definitely got to be time to move on if they don't look for someone new uh, this offseason. No, they have to look for someone new. This is not, not going to work. Um, I mean, you can just tell. like He just wasn't particularly good last year in small stretches. He hasn't been good this year in small stretches. It's just he doesn't seem to have it, man. Like The guy looks... Uh, he looks really comfortable when the Broncos have like zero percent chance to win the game. Looks 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 very very happy when he's playing against prevent defense and no pressure on his face and having to make all these like throws that he could probably make in practice. Um, but you know he just clear like they they cannot compete with, with Drew Lock under center. Unfortunately, uh, it's just not like they really just need to move on. Um, like they had the flukiest of wins against the Chargers uh, last week. I mean, the, the Chargers also need to move on from Anthony Lynn. Uh, the Broncos really do need to, to to find a new quarterback. And the sooner they do it, the better it'll be for them. Because this is... The team clearly knows how to draft. They chase the right positions during the draft. Like especially from like a value perspective. They seem to be good at picking out who good players are. They're just really bad at like figuring out like who their quarterback can be, you know, like uh, we've talked about this before, but it's almost like they're trying to reprise um, the Peyton Manning Super Bowl run with worse quarterbacks each time somehow. As if, as if that Peyton Manning wasn't bad enough, they're trying to do it with a harder degree of difficulty. 
Yeah, I, I definitely agree that they should move on this offseason. Uh, we'll see if they actually do decide to go that route. Tua Tagovailoa completed 20 of uh, 28 passes for 248 yards, two touchdowns, and no interception. The Dolphins is a week nine win over the Cardinals. He also added 35 rushing yards on seven attempts. Um, you know, last week, Tua Tagovailoa had a fairly abysmal start to his NFL career, but he appears to be, you know, far better than what we saw last week. Uh, what are your expectations for Tua for the rest of the season? I, I definitely, as a prospect, I like Tua a lot. He was one of the most efficient college quarterbacks in recent memory um for this season only i think he's probably more in the qb2 range i don't know how many rushing attempts he had today um i know he he can run but i don't think he's gonna be one of the konami code guys who who's gonna put a massive massive rushing production every week but long term i think tua is definitely gonna be the guy for the dolphins but Moving forward this season with Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, Jakeem Grant, they don't have too many weapons, a wide receiver, and he is still a rookie. And I think for the most part, their defense is is actually very good. So I think that I don't think that he's going to be in the situation where he has to sling the ball a ton, win them a game. So I think that for the most part, he's just more in the, the QB2 streamers tier for now rather than someone that, uh, is kind of more of a set-and-forget quarterback. I don't think he's going to be there this year. Yeah, I agree. I'm I'm pretty bullish on Tua long-term. Like you said, I think the lack of weapons in Miami is a concern. You know, Preston Williams looked pretty good to start this game, but uh, left with a foot injury. So we'll have to see uh, what, you know, what the news is on that. Um Gaskin obviously didn't play. They gave the ball to Jordan Howard 10 times, and he scored a touchdown. Uh, They also had Salvan Ahmed running a bit, and he looked okay. But uh, obviously, you know, there there are a lot of of problems on this team and just in terms of, like, weapons. Uh, You know, I have... I have my own kind of interests in the in the backfield here, but uh, what's your take on on this backfield moving forward without Gaskin? I think it's probably not going to be super lucrative in terms of fantasy production. Jordan Howard had ten carries today, nineteen yards, and then was saved by a touchdown. That's a pretty vintage Jordan Howard style line. That's like Matt Asiata uh, type style line, honestly. So I think Howard will probably be like the main early down back and then Ahmed is definitely interesting uh we'll see if he can garner more of the work moving forward because he he it won't take much I don't think to to do better than what Howard's going to produce so for the time being I don't think I think it's kind of wait and see mode I don't think you're gonna I think Ahmed is probably the more interesting guy but Gaskin is I think Gaskin how long is Gaskin expected to be out just like a month or three weeks or something right yeah, I think three weeks. Um, yeah, so right. They placed him on IR, so at a minimum three weeks. Yeah, I think I saw the original timeline was three weeks or so. So there's a couple more weeks only, and I don't think either of these guys are going to distance themselves uh, over the next two weeks before Gaskin gets back and reassumes his job as the main guy there. 
Yeah, I mean, I also have my own personal preference as to who should be um, uh, the lead, the lead running back. Uh, Praise the Laird. Exactly, <laughs> but the world is not ready for it. Um, unfortunately, uh, for, for listeners who are not aware, um, Blair, do you want to give them a quick, quick rundown? A quick rundown of on Patrick Laird, the well, greatest running back ever to set foot on an NFL field exactly well you you once called him a 40 year old cmc but really what you meant was uh, but really what you meant was uh he is the the you know the guy who cmc tries to be yeah exactly cmc wishes he were patrick laird no i mean actually laird today had the only backfield target it looks like yeah and he gained 17 yards on it so you know, in terms of like efficiency, I mean, Ahmed was all right, 38 yards on seven carries. But I think that the Dolphins, it would be in their interest to try and get the ball in Laird's hands more. So I I mean, it wasn't a great fantasy line, but I'm pretty encouraged by what I saw. Uh, you know, 17, you like yards, 17 yards per target. If you give him 10 targets a game and just extrapolate that, you're looking at you you're go. looking at just a, you're looking at a beast. Well, I mean, I mean. <laughs> realistically realistically we joke but he should be seeing more work than adam shaheen malcolm perry potentially also mac hollins definitely durham Smythe, and then you get to like the mike gusecki jakeem grant he should probably see more work than them too like yeah maybe he should be the 1b to parker's 1a but that's about it that's where i'm going to draw the line and and who knows like maybe maybe the Finns is just trying to slow play it right last week they didn't ask like to do anything because the defense won the game for them might as well like not 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 show their entire hand this week you know they don't want to dip their entire hand with, with laird so like you know keep the faith guys keep the faith i like that i like that you went to 1b but he he is not capable of beating out Devontae parker that is where the line is drawn <laughs> no no i was just i was just trying to be realistic right like <laughs> like 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 you just like there is still some like something has to be said for the fact that like you know parker is you know on paper the 1a you know like he you know um he's not particularly great as we as i mentioned earlier like uh, so you know there's like uh, the the door's open you know for like Laird to really emerge as like a a 10 target a game cmc-esque kind of guy um he doesn't really need like the the rushing workload because it's just for the plebs you know what i mean but the receiving yeah. workload yeah <laughs> like wayne gretzky in fantasy hockey what they had to do is they split him into goals and assists so like next year i think we might have to split patrick laird into rushing and receiving just because he's going to be such a monster in both areas yeah um uh yeah the the other guy that I think a lot of us were excited to roster, I mean, as excited as you can be for a Miami Dolphin, um, going into the season was Mike Kosicki. Uh Obviously, there's some uncertainty with how he would mesh with Tua, and he hasn't looked all that great in a lot of games this season. But um, today he had four targets, caught three of them for 42 yards. What are you doing with Gasicki on teams that where you own him? Well, I own him on a lot of teams, and for the most part, it has not been a great season. But he had four targets today, which still isn't great. He had two targets last week in a game where the Dolphins didn't really ask Tua to do much. So six targets in two games with Tua. Um, I mean, tight end is not a deep position, so you you very well could be in a position where you have to trot out Gesicki, but 
I definitely he definitely has not lived up to my expectations. Uh, there's going to be games where he gets, you know, six plus targets, maybe catches a touchdown, but I don't I don't think he's one of those weekly dependable options like I was hoping he would blossom into. Yeah, I mean, he's had uh, in the past one eleven target game. He had the six target game in week five. Obviously, both of those were with Fitzpatrick. So um, still probably not enough information just in his in these last two games to go on. If Preston Williams has to miss some time with this foot injury, then maybe we see Gasicki getting worked in a bit more. Um you know, they play the Chargers, then at Denver, then at the New York Jets. So uh, I don't know offhand how those matchups are for for tight ends. Probably pretty middling if I had to guess. So, um, yeah, tough to say at this point. Like you said, I'm still holding on. Tight end is such a wasteland that you really can't afford to. <laughs> you, you sometimes have to start Gesicki just uh, because he's the only option you have. So. Um, but I mean, I'm still, I'm still hopeful, still holding in dynasty, I think, uh, for now until we, certainly until we get a larger sample of his games with Tua. Yeah, I think that's probably the way to play it. All right, that'll do it for this edition of the Fantasy Football Report. Please remember to rate and review the Rotoviz Radio channel on Apple Podcasts. Special thanks to our guest, Jack Miller. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at JackMiller02. For Hassan Rahim on Twitter at HRR5010, I'm Blair Andrews at Am I the Real Blair. Thanks for listening. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.